Nerds, this is Nicole Desain. Welcome to Talent Tales, the show where I interview leaders who have brought design thinking to their talent and HR practices. In today's episode, we have a special guest on the show. I'm joined by Lee Kim, who is the Global Congress Lead PIA, PIH and Innovation, that's a mouthful, at Pfizer. Welcome, Lee. <laughs> hey. All right, so let's start with what's your story? Do I start with the whole story or do I start with just part of the story? Whatever, whatever, whatever story or part of your story you think is <laughs> interesting for the audience. <laughs> I'll, I'll start with the pivoting of a story. As my daughter likes to say, there is, without drama, there is no story. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. so I was uh, trained as an engineer. Uh, I said mechanical engineering. And then about seven years ago, I pivoted into design thinking. Um, and with that came a lot of self-reflection on, you know, the way that I have learned, the way that I did things to the way I think I should be practicing. Um, I'm saying way meaning interacting with people, um, developing business, developing solutions. So, um, Throughout that process, I had a great mentor. Um, her name is Tracy. And, you know, with her help and guidance, I was able to really explore what it is like to be human. What it is. Um, and and mm. through that process also, um, I, I had lost family. I mean, not like to death or anything like that, but I had lost connection with my parents and then I, I reconnected with them. Um, and then now... You know, from uh, working as an engineer for 15 years, working for um, a global Congress team advisor for last for almost five years now. So uh, that's my story. Yeah, it's so interesting <laughs> um, connecting back with your human. Um, I think we all could use more of that and, uh, and be reminded of that. Um, but I have to ask, what is up with these beautiful head creations? And obviously I benefited from one as well. I'm not quite proficient at wearing it yet, but uh, uh, you are. So um, what's the story behind these beautiful creations before we dive into the more serious content? Yeah, um, thanks for asking. I, I wasn't quite sure whether it was obvious I was wearing something, but with you wearing it, I think it becomes more obvious when, when there's only one of us, then I'm crazy. But when there are two of us, <laughs> then we're a group. Um, so about four years ago, as I mentioned, uh, my mentor, Tracy, it was her birthday and I forgot her birthday. Um, and I felt terrible about it and I wanted to do something. So as you know, you all know about design thinking, one of the ways that we materialize our ideas into creating prototypes, right? And um, oftentimes the material we use is pipe cleaners. So mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, a tiny birthday crown for Tracy that day and I wore it and I wore it for a whole day and that led me to do something for next year uh, to not forget her birthday but to remember um, not by the calendar reminders or you know something written on a post-it I wanted to really rem remember it from my memory. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I uh, launched a project called Wearable Tracy mm -hmm. uh, where I create something new every day and then I wear it from nine to five. And if somebody questions like what you're doing now, like, hey, what is that all about? There must be a story behind it. 
then I tell them the story and then I will connect with that person by asking, thank you for asking, what's your name? And that kind of became mm-hmm. a way for me to, you know, not just to remember Tracy's birthday, but also connecting with strangers who I have never met before, um, who's showing interest in, in some ways, right? Um, the way that I'm doing things. And now, four years later, I'm still doing it because my do- it has evolved into something completely different where my daughter draws something that she has in mind. And then I will take a look at her drawings and I'll create wearable Tracy. Sometimes she doesn't have drawings. So I'll just make one and I will say like, Hannah, what does this remind you of? And she does a drawing. So yeah, that's what the story is about my hat. And um, it has it has taught me so many things about people, about me, about assumptions, curiosity. Um, yeah, all those things, nice things and sometimes scary things. Yeah, we're getting comments in the chat that people love the hat and this and I love I I get chills every time you tell me the story because I think um it's so powerful to have to create something like that as a conversation starter and to connect with people that there's so much more behind it than just the hat, which is already so beautiful. And then the other thing that I, I think is really interesting in our jobs, which is so brain heavy, right? And we sit in front of the Zoom all day long. And especially also if when we apply design thinking to HR, you know, it's um, it's it's sort of something really cool that one could do that's very tactile on a daily basis to just hone our creative skills, you know? So I, I would challenge everybody to think about what is the equivalent to your wearable Tracy project that each of us could do to sort of hone our creative practice on a daily basis. I just love that as inspiration. Thank you for that. So now I'm curious um, because this is already blowing my mind, but I still wanna know what's your creative superpower? And if you have a little sticky note, if you could hold it in the camera, please. Yeah, I have a little sticky, I have a big- uh, Yeah, of course you do. A clip and a person, and there's uh-huh. water. So uh-huh. my creative power is actually jumping off the cliff. Uh, I was going to say pushing others off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> so you were jumping off the cliff. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know how to swim, by the way. So hopefully, this is not that deep. Um, oh, got it. But my superpower or creative superpower is not knowing what's going to happen, but just jump off. <laughs> I'm lucky enough so far. That, so courage, uh, you're being cor- courageous despite not really knowing how deep the water is. Well, Nicole, you <laughs> interpreted so much better than what I have drawn. Well, your drawing is just that good. That, that's what it is. All right. Got it. Well, that's, I mean, I think that's such a, um, that's such a cool superpower. So uh, I'll be down there catching you. I'm not a very good swimmer, so I don't know how that will work out, but I'll try. Yeah, the two of us will drown together. Well, you know, (laughs) (laughs) on that happy note. So let's make the shift to design thinking. So tell us a little bit more about the work you do in bringing design thinking to people practices at FISA. I know you're not in HR, which is totally yeah. fine. We don't bite. So we always, I'm always interested in having guests from outside of HR, but who also get involved in 
applying design thinking to people practices. So tell us a little yeah. bit about maybe some examples yeah. of what you do. Yeah, so I have been so fortunate when I uh, first joined Pfizer, <clears throat> my, uh, my manager at the time was actually my student um, or part of the design thinking group that was um, going through executive education. And he asked me to join Pfizer, but he knew at that time that there was um, no practice established for design thinking only. And I think many firms have that, but he wanted to bring this thought process inside of his group, which was Global Congress team, um, and at least empower that group. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I didn't know what Global Congress was at that time. Mm -hmm. I thought Congress had something to do with, you know, political organizations. So I'm going to be going in and working with the Republicans and Democrats. And, um, and of course, I was wrong. Congress is large conferences. And you, if you are from Europe, you probably know that. But I was ignorant. Um, but actually, it's a very interesting channel because that's one of the marketing channels. You can actually meet people mm -hmm. at a space. Mm -hmm. and interacting with people. So when I first joined, uh, one of the most memorable projects that I led is called um, International Association for Geriatrics and Gerontologists. And we had to design an exhibit. And it was already fully designed with you know, different marketing uh, channels, putting their brandings and, and things like that. Um, the way that I brought in design thinking was I got on the call and we were all ready to check off the boxes on, you know, what is done and what, what to be done next. <clears throat> and, um, and my colleague at, at that time, she introduced me to the team and said, she is, Lee is not from pharma and she's not from marketing, but she has experience in design thinking. And I would like you to hear her thoughts and see if we can make better. Um, so I shared the idea about my friend who is an architect in college and how she influenced me, where she asked, I, I was asking her a question, what is the, what is architect? What is, you know, what, what do you do? You know, I don't see you building any models. And she told me that architecture is not about building buildings. It's mm -hmm. not about, you know, chiseling out the things and making forms. It's actually understanding people. It's understanding who is going to be in the neighborhood, in the surrounding areas, who is going to go inside of the, the room and is coming from understanding what they're going to experience makes a good architect. And she was 19, you know, 20 years ago, but mm -hmm. it, it really touched me um, so much so that I remember that, that, that story. And so I asked people, before we go out and finalize the designs, can we remove ourselves from the room from the, the structure and really think about who is coming into this space. What are they going to feel mm -hmm. as they're going through it? What are they going to, to think about as you, as you take a look at you know, the whole surroundings? And I think we should start from there. Mm -hmm. So really putting there yourself in the shoes of, um, of the yeah. audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's how we began to change the dialogue. It was not about, hey, let's mm. build a workshop and let's go through this um, and then you know, come up with the prototypes. It started with a conversation about what we are designing is not a branding or a structure. We are designing human experience. 
And it starts from really thinking about the people who are going to be occupying space, you know, experiencing things. And that doesn't come from our marketing message, although you, you're going to weave those things through, right? Mm-hmm. But I think if you make the connection with people from the very beginning, the messaging is not going to be strong because people will forget. But if we remember who they are and design for them, then it will be more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is the most memorable experience I had from the very beginning of my career at Pfizer. And so when we design things, you know, not just for for the exhibit, but also with other things. Um, yeah, aren't like you to- doing something around leadership, for example? Oh, leadership, I think people are always interested in um, creating alignment. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not, leadership is not about telling people what you want them to do. It's understanding each other and creating the alignment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, opportunities come many times in different forms. And one of the things that I do is if people are interested in creating visions and strategies, then I'll go and you know talk to the leaders and then understand what their, what their needs are and then create mostly workshops around those alignment. But I also like to make sure that the workshop does not end up as just a workshop. So having kind of follow throughs to make sure that, okay, so we have done this for that two days. What are we gonna do to make sure that it's not just a team building exercise, but it is actually changing cultures. Um, so in a small way, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm changing the culture in, in a larger way. But little by little, just having a conversation, understanding where people are coming from and pushing the boundaries from inside um, and also from outside as well. Mm -hmm. That, uh, you know, having a conversation with you, learning about how others are doing, um, those things are really important as well. Mm -hmm. Great. So I have a few more questions, but um, also to the audience, if you want to put your questions in the chat and we'll get to them in a little bit. So what were the barriers that you encountered in bringing a human-centered design approach into the organization and how did you overcome it? Um, any kind of new initiative, I think you will have barrier because people have preconceived notion or their usual way of doing things. And then now you're coming in here and there's oh, another month flavor. Last year it was this, this year is this. So mm-hmm. I think a barrier is that people think it's just one of the fad right? And, and, mm-hmm. and people have gone through those kind of things. Um, so instead of having it as a, uh, as a, as a wor- workshop or some kind of initiatives, if we can make sure that it's a practice that we do mm-hmm. as a, mm-hmm. you know, from the very beginning of your strategy session, let's think about these kind of things and make sure that you, are you talking to your customers? Have we heard from them? Mm-hmm. Do you have any way of connecting back with them? Have we thought about those? And actually share, even sometimes you go out and do research and bring it back to those voice of customers and share those things and make it not as just a one time, but mm-hmm. as a consistent approach to help them um, to understand them better. Because it's not, I don't think anybody wants to do things worse, mm-hmm. right? They are doing mm-hmm. their best to deliver the best results possible. And so far, this is what they are comfortable with. This is what they have learned. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we should discount that. Respect mm-hmm. those things at the same time, asking them, would you mind taking a look at it this way? Can we also try this? So kind of this experimental mindset that we mm-hmm. all talk about. 
uh, I'm not asking you to you know, spend this much time and this much money. Can we just do a test run on this? Can we just to see what our customer says? We don't have to do you know, 100 people interviews, but can we at least speak to six people um, mm-hmm. and get, you know, get their voices? And then I think when they hear the voices of customers, then the perception change because their assumptions are oftentimes not what the customer says, right? Um, so I don't think I'm doing it any differently or a, a um, breakthrough kind of way, but I'm doing it the way that I think that people can relate to. Um, hopefully they also feel empowered along the way. They see the change in, in doing the things, you know, not big ways, but a smaller ways in making changes. Yeah, I love that aspect of the mindset and design thinking. We say it's methods and mindset so that that you focus on that. And then the other thing that you said, you know, and you work mostly with external audiences, but also internal, I think, when you say Mm -hmm. once people talk to customers, their mind changes. And I see the same when we apply design thinking to HR. And oftentimes I get feedback when we do research interviews with employees um, and um, HR professionals tell me, well, this is actually the first time I've talked to an employee or a leader about this, you know, and, and the responses to that usually blow their minds. You know, it's because we are, have been trained in our function to be the experts and the designers of workplace programs. That's how historically it's gone. And now to shift to that mindset of, you know, I'm going to co-create with our employees is usually a huge aha moment. So yeah. I love that that that's so applicable across, doesn't matter who your customer is, right? That notion or that practice of let's talk to them, let's try to put ourselves in their shoes and let's co-create. That's sort of the theme, no matter yeah. your audience, right? Yeah. I mean, I did one of the project with HR. I don't, I don't work with HR that much, but um, because there are people who reach out and ask for assistance in what they're trying to do. One of the things that I did was actually onboarding of uh, colleagues during COVID, just a project. Mm-hmm. And I suggested mm-hmm. interviews with them. Um, and throughout the process, one of the participants actually said, you know, like one of the things that really surprised me was X. And the X was asking whether we could do some strategy sessions, you know, and, and it was just a, a comment. And so when I do uh, empathy interview, I don't want empathy interview to be just an insight gathering if I can actually mm-hmm. offer help. And mm-hmm. if the person is asking for, oh, I would like to explore this. Um, I want that to be part of output for the interviewee as well. So this is kind of different than just to conducting empathy interviews with our customers. Because these customers are our colleagues, I actually can help mm-hmm. if they want. So mm-hmm. um, afterwards, I actually engage with the person to host, you know, vision setting exercise and strategy sessions. And we're still going on with that kind of initial um, interview that was ha- that happened last year in June. So that is a little bit different than just uh, how are we applying our empathy interviews and, you know, our prototypes and our design thinking skills to change HR function. If you are an HR function person with a design thinking mindset, I think you can actually do a lot more 
than just the solving for the problem that you, you initially started to do. You can actually create a, a side project. And of course that has to you know, think about your time commitment and things, but that's actually where I get more um, excited about. That is, oh yes, I would love to help the onboarding process and those interviews are great. But what I get really excited about is what is the, what is the real need that this person has that's, that goes beyond the onboarding? And if we can also help with that, then you get buy-in from that person. I love that so much. It, it, so, you know, instead of just mindlessly applying our methods, like let's get through now 10 empathy interviews and see what comes out. You're actually um, connecting. It goes back to your human connection, right? You're connecting with a yeah. human and you're identifying what you as a person can do, not just you let's say an HR professional as the HR function structurally, but as an individual, as a coworker, as a colleague from human to human. I love that. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. really, really cool. So what's the impact you've noticed after having introduced human centered design to your organization? Well, most of the times the conversation change. So before, let's say, oh, hey, we have to implement, you know, this new services and that new services for our, our Congress channel. Um, what we are first saying is we have spoken to healthcare professionals. Here is what we have designed. And then this is what our solution is. So I think the first question changed. Have you talked to, have you spoken to, have you observed mm -hmm. professionals? Mm -hmm. um, that's the biggest impact. You know, of course, because you can create solutions many times over, but if you can actually have people to think about, we are not creating solutions for us. We're creating solutions for those who are going through the experience and questioning ourselves and say like, how do we know that this is what people really look for? Have we spoken to the users? Have we really cared for their journey? Um, and I think that conversation change within our group is a huge win for me. Yeah, that's awesome. So I have a couple more questions, but if the audience has others, please put them in the chat and we'll get to them momentarily. So what's your favorite design thinking resource or hack? <laughs> favorite resource? Um, I'm not a very good reader. <laughs> well, you know, it can be a hack. I'm, I'm jumping off. Um, my favorite design thinking hack is LinkedIn. So ah, whenever I have an idea, more. Mm -hmm. yeah, whenever I have an idea and I want to kind of test out the ideas, you will see, Nicole, now that you are on my LinkedIn connection, I'll put a call out into the world and I say, hey, I'm, I'm designing an ideation session. Can, can you come and help and, you know, share your ideas? Um, we are going to design a test session. Can you come and help? And without fail. Oh have at least three, four, because we don't need giant number of people to join. Um, so my design thinking hack is use whatever the platform you can to actually practice that fast iteration. Um, because I, I personally cannot wait for three months for some ideas to be tested out. Mm -hmm. I need to ideation mm -hmm. today. I need to test it out this weekend and I need, I need to refine it next week. And I cannot wait for my team to be ready so, and I also want to add value to the community, right? The LinkedIn community has been a huge plus in my life because um, I hope by coming to my ideation sessions, they can be part of the community. 
uh, by coming and testing out the sessions I design, they can learn something that I haven't known or they haven't learned as well. So what I offer and what, what they can take can be, you know, give and take relationship um, or something more of a fulfilling afterwards. So that's my big design thinking hack that use whatever the platform have to do fast iteration, learn from each other. And, and by doing so, you actually create bigger community of people who are willing to help each other. And then now you be, they become your resources and I become their resources. I love that so much because sometimes I think a myth is that design thinking has to be costly or we need to spend a lot of money or it's time consuming. And so this is sort of a very simple, elegant hack. Uh, you know, it's cheap. Uh, people are already on that platform um, and it's quick, right? So I think that's really cool. Yeah. All right. So at the end, I usually, I... Uh, share a quote and let you react to it. Are you ready? <laughs> All right. Quote, quote, the secret of genius is to carry the spirit of the child into old age, which means never losing your enthusiasm, unquote, Aldous Huxley. Oh, that was so beautiful. It was so beautiful, Nicole, because um, I grew up in a countryside in South Korea where there was no technology until I was in third grade. So I really experienced the beauty of pure childhood play and memory where I run into the mountains, um, hunt for insects and things like that. And sometimes I wonder if I have lost that curiosity and wonder in the nature that I was able to discover, the frogs and tadpoles and grasshoppers and centipedes. Because there are so many things that I have learned from that early age than the books that I listen to now, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? Because uh, now we do the audio books. And so, yes, if the genius is someone who can find things, who can find wonders in the world, I definitely believe that those moments in childhood, if I can carry that forward with wherever I go and just to ponder a little bit more. Well, from where I sit, I, I <laughs> think you got it. <laughs> to me, you're the embodiment of that, actually. So uh, um, beautiful. All right, we got a few questions from the audience. So um, Brand is asking, what are your recommendations to introduce design thinking to an organization that has no experience with using it? Um, so when I came to Pfizer, the group that I was in, they didn't use design thinking. And so um, I, I think it, it is necessary or helpful to go through a little bit of experience in design thinking. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, five days of design thinking training, but sharing stories and maybe just to have a little bit of experience in creating something meaningful for their group, even if it's just like, can we create our, you know, weekly meeting <laughs> applying design thinking? And of course you will have stories to share, but if we can do a simple things like that, they see the power. I think until they do theirs, they don't see the power. It's mm -hmm. somebody else's story, right? But once you see they're listening to the voices of customers, designing something, do a quick iteration, 
when, once they see the power, then they're like, oh, how do, you, how do I do this more? Because the worst thing you can do is just to push it out to everyone without having people um, understand why they should do it. I, I've seen so many voluntold cases. Um, so if, they, if people can experience something even small and then have them to actually ask for it rather than doing it just, you know, company-wide design thinking from day one to everyone. Um, I would go a little slow, um, but small. And then you can do the, the people talking, experiencing things that goes fast, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think I personally experienced it first before I learn all the things that comes with it. Um, whether it's a large organization or even just small school system, I think that works well for me. Hopefully it worked well for you too, Brent. Yeah, I, we're getting a lot of good comments and the feedback that people, that really resonates. Um, and then, uh, so to that point, that's what I usually also say. It's like, let's start with you. You know, what's your own practice that you can hone? Then what is sort of the small hack you can bring to your team, to your point, to your next team meeting? What can you try there? And then from there, sort of, and I hear that from other people I interview, and then they're like, it spreads, you know, people say, hey, can you do this again that you did the other day? They don't necessarily know it's design thinking. And sometimes it's better not even to call it that, right? But to your earlier point to just say, hey, you know, what's your problem? And are you maybe open to trying something different or new here, right? And then applying it there. So, um, yeah, so I, on that note, we are at the end of our time. I could talk to you forever. Oh my God. <laughs> so thank you so much for the soup. I'm so inspired. Uh, I will walk very inspired into, into the rest of my day. Uh, and I'm sure everybody else is as well. Thank you, everybody else, for joining us. And see you at a future Talent Tales. And this is so much, least representation of our show today. <laughs> beautiful make sure you catch the video everybody because this is something for the eyes <laughs> Bye. <laughs>